Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and other cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about the difference between the words through and throughout, and then we'll talk about why you should avoid honeyfugglers. English can seem like a muddled, confused, and downright chaotic language. One popular meme to express and demonstrate this involves the sentence, English is a difficult language to learn. It can be understood through tough, thorough thought, though. Although, see what I did there? This sentence is an extreme example of the way English has words and spellings that just don't seem to make much sense. It's not exactly a sentence that rolls off the tongue and isn't likely to actually show up in the real world. What does happen more often, though, is confusion, especially when writing, between the words through and throughout. In fact, a listener named Jordan asked about the difference a few months ago. At first glance, these two words seem like they might almost be interchangeable, so it can be tricky to know which one to use in any given instance. Like in so many cases in English, I mean, the memes aren't entirely wrong, after all, coming up with rules is dangerous territory because there are always exceptions. But if you want a handy guideline to remember when to use through, try dropping the H. You end up with trough, right? Now, this might sound like I'm still just riffing on the meme from before, but hear me out. A trough's primary characteristic is that it's long and usually straight. We primarily use the word through when we're talking about either a physical or metaphorical straight line. There's a sense of direction with through, just like with a trough. If you're driving through a forest, you may not necessarily be going in a straight line all the time, but in a big picture sense, you're going from point A to point B, and the forest is part of that journey. Now, maybe a clearer example is when you think of punching a hole through a wall or a piece of paper. It's localized and precise. You instinctively know that the wall or piece of paper is still mostly intact, so you haven't damaged or destroyed all of it. But something, a drill or a pencil, for example, has gone from point A to point B, regardless of what was in the way. We also use through when talking about time. You might talk about something, a favorite podcast maybe, helping you get through some tough times. When we give a range of dates, say for describing a vacation, we'll often say something like, from the 1st through 8th of December. In these cases, we're using a metaphorical direction, a timeline, you might say. But we're still talking essentially about traveling in a direction and going from point A to point B, passing through something along the way. Throughout, on the other hand, has a slightly different connotation. There's a more all-encompassing, bigger sense to it. If you set off a large firework, it travels through the space, low to the ground, just above where it shot off, but throughout the space where it explodes in every direction. Usually we don't use throughout when we're talking about anything linear, but rather when we're talking about a physical or metaphorical area. 
The new red sock in the washing machine might spread its color throughout the load of laundry. Or the newly relocated animals might repopulate and spread throughout the forest. To continue our spelling-related memory tricks, if we started with through and instead of adding out to the end, we just stuck an extra O near the start of the word, we get thorough. And if something is, for instance, thoroughly mixed, it's been spread throughout the mixture. Further, it may have occurred to you earlier that you can somewhat change the meaning of the word through by adding the word all before it. And that's right. And when you do that, it's essentially a replacement for throughout. You could say the red sock spread its color all through the laundry or throughout the laundry. You could say the animals spread all through the forest or throughout the forest. Hopefully this helps a little bit when you're trying to remember whether to use through or throughout. And if you listened through the whole thing, you found handy tips throughout. That segment was written by Ryan Paulson, who's an avid word nerd and the co-host of the etymology podcast, Lexitecture. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by The Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bans across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as the Washington Post and The Guardian said, missing pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart? every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. In 1912, William Howard Taft, not a man known for eloquence, sent journalists to the dictionary when he used the word honeyfuggle. Honey what, you may be thinking? 
Well, it turns out that honeyfuggler is an old American term for someone who deceives other folks by flattering them. It can be spelled with one G or two and sometimes with an O replacing the U. To honeyfuggle is to sweet talk, but also to bamboozle, bumfuzzle, or hornswoggle. The word has some twists and turns in its history. According to both the Oxford English Dictionary and the Dictionary of American Regional English, it was first recorded as a Kentucky term in 1829 with the definition to quiz or to cozen, both of which at the time meant to dupe. The earliest example in the newspapers.com database is from an 1841 story in a Tennessee newspaper, the Rutherford Telegraph, in which an editor used the term to mean insincere flattery. He said of the Speaker of the Tennessee State Senate that some may say it's impolitic of me to talk thus plainly about Mr. Turney and think it better to honeyfuggle and plaster over with soft soap to potent a senator. An 1848 report from the New Orleans Picayune refers to swindlers as honeyfugglers. An example from the Mississippi Free Trader in 1849 talks about political trickery intended to honeyfuggle one party and exterminate the other. And another Southern paper that year reported on a speech of General Sam Houston, who attempted to honeyfuggle the good hearers and get up a general hurrah of old Sam. The term remained in use in the second half of the 19th century, with a couple of hundred examples in newspapers around the country. It was used occasionally as a noun and sometimes had the variants honey funk or honey fuddle, and it could also mean snuggle up to or publicly display affection. Honey fuggle remained a marginal term, often characterized as slang or as a regionalism, but it popped into the national consciousness when Taft deployed it to characterize his predecessor and then rival for the 1912 Republican presidential nomination. In a speech in Cambridge, Ohio, Taft said, I hold that the man is a demagogue and a flatterer who comes out and tells the people that they know it all. I hate a flatterer. I like a man to tell the truth straight out, and I hate to see a man try to honeyfuggle the people by telling them something he doesn't believe. Teddy Roosevelt had plenty to say about his former protege Taft as well, calling him a fathead, a puzzle wit, and a flubdub. Woodrow Wilson won the presidency that year, and Taft's speech popularized Honeyfuggle for a time. And in 1915, the Los Angeles Express even reported on a socialite named Miss Queenie Alvarez, who concocted a soft drink known as the Honeyfuggle, made with sweet fruit juices. Honeyfuggle still never quite caught on as a drink or as a mainstream English expression, perhaps because of the near homophony of fuggle with a different F word. But it made a brief reappearance in presidential news in 1934, when the Syracuse Herald referred to another President Roosevelt as the prize honeyfuggler of his time. And in 1946, the word appeared in the title of a novel by author Virginia Dare, Honeyfuggling Time. A reviewer explained that the book takes its title from a colloquialism popular in the Middle West of the 1880s, referring to dishonest intentions concealed by honeyed words and promises. So where does honeyfuggle come from? 
Well, one theory found in Bartlett's 1848 Dictionary of Americanisms is that it's a variation of a British dialect word, conifogle, which meant to hoodwink or cajole by flattery. Coney is an old word for an adult rabbit and was sometimes used to indicate a person who is gullible. Fuggle, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is an older dialect term meaning to trick or deceive. So to conifuggle or conifoggle meant to cheat a mark. Today, the OED reports that honeyfuggle is now somewhat dated. Well, maybe we should try to revive it. That segment was written by Edwin L. Battistella, who teaches linguistics and writing at Southern Oregon University in Ashland, where he's served as a dean and interim provost. His books include Bad Language, Are Some Words Better Than Others? And Sorry About That, The Language of Public Apology. It originally appeared on the OUP blog and appears here with permission. Finally, I have a familect story. Hey, Mignon. So today I'd like to share my familect, which um, is really a word uh, a friend coined, but um, it's still amazing. So I still use it and love it. Um, I had been living in France for a year. I had changed countries. And for me, you know, that time where I arrived was quite important. So I told my friend, after you have lived there, hey, today's my birthday, which in, um, in French, it really, they use the word for anniversary, right? To say French, to say birthday. And, um, and he was like, oh, really? Your, your, your anniversary, your birthday? Um, well, not really. My birthday is really a year since I came here. So my French um, arriving uh, birthday. And he was like, he very spontaneously mixed the word arrive with anniversary, French for birthday. And he came up with the word anniversary, anniversaire. And I thought this was amazing. So on the 5th, of December next week, actually. I've used it every year. I celebrate my anniversary uh, the same way I celebrate my birthday and all of my friends know it and use it. So I just want to share it with uh, you. Well, it might be interesting. So I love your podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I loved it and I hope you have a wonderful anniversary this week. Grammar Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sims, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our ad operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchings, whose favorite dessert is sour cream cheesecake with berries. And our intern is Cameron Lacey. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life. 
which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.